Hello, everybody. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to give a quick rundown of my guest, Zach Westerbeck. Uh, we get into it, but he is an old college buddy of mine. We both went to Purdue. And since then, Zach has done all sorts of different exciting things. Um, but most importantly, and one of the reasons we had him on the, ep- the podcast this week, is he's now an author. And I will have the link in the show notes. The book is called You're Not Alone. It's available on Amazon. And you got to check it out. So I will give the link and you can go and find that. And without further ado, give it up for Zach Westerbeck. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I am pumped today to have an old buddy of mine, a colleague, and was a fellow Purdue graduate, Zach Westerbeck, on the podcast. Zach, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Shane. It's great to be here, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Zach, um, why don't you start off, maybe give everyone a little, a little like elevator pitch, a little background into yourself, and then we can kind of dive in. Sure. Yeah. So the, if, if I'm doing the 30 second elevator pitch and you tell me what variation you want after that, sure. Uh, my name is Zach Westerbeck. I'm a mental health advocate. I'm a professional speaker. So I travel the country educating college students um, and corporations on the complexities of mental health in the modern world. I'm also a college success coach. So I work with uh, college students on an individual basis. It's kind of like a hybrid between uh, life coaching and mental health coaching. So a lot of my clients have uh, underlying symptoms of anxiety and depression, but they're also struggling academically or socially. And so it's working with them to kind of shift their perspective, um, do some mindset uh, tricks, get them in um, contact with like the right therapist and just kind of get them, get them on the right path, you yeah. know, with the, with the goals that they're uh, striving for. And then I'm the recent author of the book, You're Not Alone, yeah. uh, which I know we, we kind of messaged back and forth about, which is, uh, it's a mental health guide for 18 to 24 year olds. Although I've been told from, you know, uh, people all the way up to 50 who have read the book that it's a simple read, but it's applicable. And it's really just a step-by-step guide to overcome anxiety and depression. And it is everything um, I've written this book over the last two years, and it's everything that I wish that I would have read or ah. been educated on early in my life to prepare me for um, the journey that I was going to uh, go on in 2016. Got it. Oh, that's awesome, man. That yeah. was really cool. I was, yeah. I was, I've been curious on how long it's, it took you to write the book. So a little over two years. It took me, and it's funny too, because like, and we, you know, we were kind of joking about this too, like prior to what I do now, I had founded a, a company called Great Minds right, with right. one of my best friends who now he lives in Southern California, but he lives in San Diego. I'm here in Orange County. Um, but this book, like we, we write goals and we have these aspirations for ourselves, but sometimes life throws curveballs at you. And I couldn't have written this book um, without going through 2016, 2017, uh, and still. Uh, living with with a diagnosable brain disorder. And so like, yeah, it took me two years to physically write it, but it took me, you know, two years of going through it even before that to get to the point where I could write something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need to like go through the experiences before you had the knowledge to put it on paper kind of thing. Absolutely. And there's no amount of like preparation for that. Like even, um, formal schooling from the perspective because we were both in the business school right. um to to prepare me for that you know what i mean yeah oh 100% 100% no that's awesome yeah. and we'll dive into the book i uh, i kind of wanted to back up too cuz i think you know i was telling Zach before we started recording i think his story is something that's really interesting i think a lot of people who listen to this could resonate with just the different things you've done and tried and and gotten you to where you are today yeah um so I wanted to back up. We obviously both, like I mentioned at the beginning, we're at Purdue, uh, graduated in 2014. But it was, something that's similar with me and Zach is we both left and went the corporate route, like right away. You know, like most yeah. people do after you pay for a nice, nice degree. Uh, yep. Zach, you went to Cisco. So would you give everyone a little background? You were there for six years, I think, close to six years. 
I was, man. I was at Cisco from uh, 2014 until March of 2020. Yeah, and okay. it was it was just an incredible um, experience for me. There, there are things that I would change in the corporate world, um, looking at it through a mental health lens. Okay. But coming up through the ranks, um, you know, initially starting out in Cisco's training program, and we'll, I'll tie that all back in with the, with the mental health side of things here in a bit when we get to that. But going through the training program, meeting so many uh, young, ambitious, bright uh, individuals, and then just starting to get on that path to building that foundation over, you know, basically the start of what I like to call the real world. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, with, with so, and it's so funny because I've got like my friends before the real world and then all the friends that I've made after. <laughs> and I'm like, you're one of my best real world friends. That's you funny. know, like I yeah, met yeah. you as an adult. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, oh, that's so, so true. I've never thought about it that way. That's funny. It is, man, because like as much as we hate to admit it, like, especially as you as you get older like i've noticed just there's this professionalism that you interact with people with you know just like when you're first meeting somebody that when we were in college like there it was just more loose and we yeah. were just younger and it was more innocent and the culture was conducive to um behaving a certain way and in the adult world like you know you got to yeah. button up you got to right, right. you got to be a certain way to be uh, respected and um, so I, that, I always make that, uh, that delineation, but yeah, it was, Cisco was a good time. It's a very innovative company. Um, it gave me the foundation for the professionalism and, uh, really some of the foundational business stuff that I still use to this day, just to, you know, learn how to interact with people, how to, how to build a, a, a solid business strategy and plan and how to just be good to your clients at the end Got of the it. day. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. You spent, yeah, you spent six years there. And then one of the things we briefly chatted before we started recording was uh, you started this Great Minds company uh, with your yes. good buddy. Would you mind giving everyone, because I think the reason I bring it up is uh, me and Zach both have, you know, tried multiple things in our young careers. And I think it's interesting to talk about things that maybe you're not pursuing anymore and how important just going through processes of trying shit, whether it's good, bad, or works, um, how that kind of elevates you to other things and coming up with new ideas and even gets us both to where we are today. So I just think it's interesting and it was really cool. I love following it. So it was, you know, I enjoyed what you guys were putting out. Oh man, it brings such a smile to my face. I am so glad that you asked this question because you're one of the few people that still knows about <laughs> great minds. Um, and I, I always like remember the, the light, you were the first people I knew that like coined the light bulb emoji. The light dude. Oh man. The I always remember I saw the post. I'm like, love it. Just like, it was like a spark. You had to read it. It was so good. And honestly, that was Christian's idea. Uh, my business partner at the time, he, he had an uncanny ability to kind of simplify things. I tended to become, I tended to be the one pushing us a lot, okay. but he tended to be the one to simplify. So it was, it was a good push and pull. Um, and we still have a great relationship to this day, but dude, on the, on the point of like trying different shit, like, let me take this even a step like back for love you. It. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Entrepreneurship is something and just experimenting and kind of just having this desire to not I don't want to say fall in line because that would, that would imply that I don't have respect for people that go into corporate America or people who sure, don't want yeah. to be their own boss. Like right. being your own boss is tough, man. Yeah. Like right, it's right. freaking hard sure. and it's exhausting. Um, but it's fun and it's, it's the right fit for the right type of person. So that's what I would say. So somebody who at their core just, they need complete and total autonomy. And I happen to be one of those people. I joke yeah. with my parents all the time. In a lot of ways, man, I'm unemployable. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> I think that's a I'm, common entrepreneurs, like if they explain themselves, I feel like I hear that all the time, that they think they're just the worst employee. Man. I am. And it's because like, I don't respond well to like authoritarian management. I need to feel like you're a stakeholder and we're yeah. sitting down versus you wagging a finger in my nose like I and I even as a kid like when I was getting disciplined I responded so much better to like let's sit down and talk about this oh, I'm the versus same way. yeah right versus you're just in trouble so for anybody who's thinking about entrepreneurship like just keep searching and here's what I'll tell you 
in so like when I was uh, like a child, 11 years old, my dad came into um, my bedroom one summer and he was like, this is the summer you learn how to make money. And he was like, I've got a lawnmower downstairs. I want you to go around the neighborhood and ask people to see if you can cut their lawns. Ah, He's like, you can practice on our yard, get good at it and then start doing it. So from 11 years old, I started to build this lawn mowing business where it was like, you know, the first summer it was like three lawns. Yeah. But by the time I left in high school, I think I handed off 25, 30 lawns to oh, my sister. Really? Oh, wow. Dude, yeah. And I was making like money and yeah, I was and, real probably money then. Yeah. Dude. And uh, at the time it was like, you know, my buddy, one of my buddies was like going to DQ making five fifty an hour. And I was yeah. like, at this point, this is beneath me. Like I, I could never show up to DQ <laughs> and work for five fifty after working for myself. But again, it's no knock. Like yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah. get in where you fit in. You gotta take what you can get in the moment and then build, right? Well, it's probably also you had tangible experience of like the harder you work, the more lawns you got, the more money you got. It wasn't like your fi- your fixed on the amount of hours you work. That's like a huge, I think, the like mental shift that you can see. One hundred percent, man. And I quickly realized that like. You know, I think the American dream is like you show up and you work hard and you get your your little paycheck. And for me, it was like, no, nah, my American dream is like I'm gonna see what my my work ethic and my output will get me because I need to have incremental. Like I need to be in control of that. Right, right. Um. So I realized that at a young age, when I was in college at Purdue, I tr- we tried to start this startup with um. I'm gonna shout out some names. Love it. Uh, Love Greg it. Burns. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Carter Crock, if that name rings a bell, and then Stu Corcoran, who was the gray below us. And we yes. tried to start this crowdfunding business called Tokos. And what it was, was- I don't think I ever heard about this. So we tried to start it, dude. And it's so funny. Like we got all, we got to the point where we were pitching. Like we actually had a couple investors that were interested in putting oh. seed money into the business. Whoa. And so what it was at a very simplistic level is that a corporation sponsored a basically sponsored gifted students. So they would pay for their schooling and in exchange, the student, it's almost like, imagine like an athlete, it's just an exchange. So they pay for your schooling, they put you up all that stuff. And then you have a commitment to them once you graduate. So you'd you'd have to go work for them for a couple of years or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And so it was just kind of this modern way. It's kind of like ROTC or like, It's yeah. kind of like that kind of process, right? Exactly, 100%. And I actually think Greg might have done that. I can't remember for sure. But um, regardless, we got to the end of the school year and you know, we're getting all these interested investors and we like real world hit us. We're like, are we going to do this or are we going to take like, because at this point I've got an offer from Cisco. Greg's oh, right. got his offer. Carter's, uh, you know, want, is interested in pursuing acting in California. And I, and Stu obviously had another year, so he was still interested. Um, and we just folded it up, dude. And that was it. And, um, you know, I've never looked back. I never had any regrets. I thought, I think it's the right thing to do. Um, my heart wasn't in it, but right after I graduated, I moved to North Carolina. I'm in corporate. I'm trying to figure out what's my next thing. I thought I was going to start a grinder business. Like, for cannabis yeah like okay. an automatic grinder like because this is <laughs> oh, like a physical and I talk product about, okay like a physical product and i yeah. talk about this very openly i smoked a ton of pot when i was in college okay um and i talk about that with the college students because uh it was i was self-medicating and i didn't really realize it got it okay. um but at the time i was like i saw this wave i was like oh cannabis is going to be like states are going to start legalizing it and eventually it's going to be legal at the federal level let me like see if there's some way that I can get involved in it. And I would, dude, I would have completely missed the mark on that one too, because it was like vape pens and all these other new ways to consume it came yeah, out. Right. So, so it wouldn't have worked. So I, I getting to great minds is like, there were all these things that I tried that didn't work. And so the next thing was great minds. I was devouring personal development books when I got down to Raleigh, North Carolina. It was like my mind was blown. There was like this whole new realm of like self-improvement that I didn't even know was possible. Okay. And so I'm just tearing through books. You know, Tony Robbins was was a guy that I was just consuming his content. E.T., Eric the Hip Hop Preacher, Gary Vee. Um, Brennan Bruchard, uh, like even this guy named Peter Vug, who I now is just like, feel not like someone, that he's not, not someone I'm very interested in aligning okay, with, okay. but 
but I was just devouring this content and oh, rich dad, poor dad. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Actually, it's on my list. I haven't read it yet, but it's one of the ones I wanted to read this year. I haven't read it it's yet. It's a good read. Okay. It is. It's been foundational. It's really changed. It. It really kind of solidified why I wanted to go into business for myself. But so I started this company called Great Minds because uh, a buddy of mine connected me with Christian. Okay. Christian Williams was my business partner um, for Great Minds, and we sat down over a lunch, and all we did for like two hours was talk about personal development. And at the end of the lunch, I just asked him, I was like, "Do you want to go into business together? Start a personal development company?" And that was pretty much it, man. And we and th- that Great Minds story parallels my mental health story. Yeah. But um, you know, it's funny looking back on it. We had no clients. We had no target market. We had no like. MVP, you know what I mean? Yeah, just yeah. like our most viable product. Like we didn't have any of that. It was you just pure kinda, passion. Yeah, I was saying it felt it felt like when you guys were getting started, it reminded me of what I was working on at the time. It just felt like not a clear direction on what you were selling, just passion. No. I, I remember afterwards I was on the phone with one of my buddies, like after we'd kind of folded things up and he was like he was like, Yeah, man, like I always supported you. I just didn't know what you did. Yeah, <laughs> right, was, right, 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 right. <laughs> I was like, honestly, now that you say that, I don't really know if I knew what we did. That's funny. I just knew I liked to publicly speak and I love yeah. personal development. And it was sure. cool. We actually did did a three part workshop um with the early and career folks at Cisco. So we like did get our feet wet in the market. We just, you know, it just didn't inevitably it didn't go anywhere. Sure, so. sure. Okay. Got it. Yeah. What was because the goal of that was? I mean, you guys were putting out a lot of content online. I remember I followed you guys on, like, on Instagram and YouTube. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. So did that give you any public speaking at that point? Was that? I mean, you said a little bit with Cisco. Yeah, a little bit with Cisco. And what I was doing, there's just it's funny, man. It's like uh, Steve Jobs always says, you can only connect the dots looking back. So you just have sure. to believe in something, call it intuition, and he goes on and on and on. But for me, when you look back, connecting the dots, when I got down to Raleigh, North Carolina, one thing that happened right off the bat is I told you I was I was immediately surrounded by a lot of young, talented kids. I mean, they were young adults, right? Yeah. And one kid who actually was from Indiana went to IU. His name was James George. Um, We still stay in contact to this day because he came to me and he goes, uh, we had to do like a little um, presentation one day for our training program. And he sat in it. He saw me do my presentation. Okay. And what he didn't know is that when I was an intern at Cisco as a junior in college, my mentor that I basically shadowed all summer long gave me a book called As You Speak. And he was like, if you don't learn anything else this summer, I just want to teach you how to publicly speak. Oh, wow. It's going to take you the furthest in life. And so I read that book every single week. I had to give him a speech. I actually ended up winning this like innovation contest for the interns nice. yeah. and, and okay. I had to give a speech dude in front of like 400 kids and it just came so natural to me. Like I was just, it, it was like kind of natural talent meets like I'm actually starting to refine this craft. And so sure. um, when I got down to Raleigh, those skills came out in a presentation and James was like, dude, you need to come to this thing called Toastmasters with me. Love it. And I'm like, I'm like, what is Toastmasters? It's like, a funny name is this where too, you, right? Yeah, I was yeah. like, is this where you learn? I literally said like sarcastic too, like, is this where you learn how to give toasts? <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he was like, no, man, like it's where you learn how to like refine your speaking. And like, I saw you give your presentation. You seem semi-decent, like you should refine your skills. So I went with him and there was this thing called table topics. And when you, when you went, uh, there, the meetings were structured in a certain way. So there was kind of like these organized set of speeches, like two or three people would go. Okay. Um, and then they would have this table topics where people could either volunteer or randomly get selected to stand up and give like a two minute ad hoc off the top speech. Oh, wow. And it was, okay. it's designed to just get you comfortable speaking in front of people. Well, I got selected. And so I went up, I gave an ad hoc two minute speech and uh, at the end of the meetings, they pick winners, like out of the three people who gave a structured speech, like this is the person who did the best out of the three or four people that did table topics. Here's the person that did the best. Oh, God. And yeah. I won all the votes. Whoa. Your first time doing it. So I won I, my first time doing it. I won all the votes. And after that, dude, I was hooked. 
So I was giving speeches like every other week at Toastmasters, starting to refine and build these skills at the same time that I met Christian, at the same time I was reading personal development, at the same time that I was beginning to experience the onset of um, symptoms for my brain disorder. So it's just this culmination of all these factors that were taking place at the same time that's gotten me to where I am now. But um, that was, we we didn't have any clients, but I was speaking very regularly, even when Christian and I were founding Great Minds, because I was just speaking at Toastmasters. I was competing in local um speaking competitions and and doing like random MCing events and stuff like that got it okay okay got it no that makes sense that's really cool it's cool yeah. how you you've like you kind of got a taste of it and you've like i feel like that that happens to everybody who's pursuing multiple things and you're like trying out everything but it's cool when you hear a story about someone who they try they went to go just like go to a toastmasters evening and then you just like found the itch you're like shit this is what i want to do this is like what i'm good at this is this is it Right. It's funny. Like you had to go through college working at Cisco to like meet someone who introduced you to that. 100% dude. And that's why it's like, I always say, uh, and ET, I got this from ET, but it's like, don't rush the uh, process, trust the process. Right. And it takes 29 years to be 29 years old. I know that we just had our 29 birthdays. Um, and like things just unfold in mysterious ways. And, and I'll be the first to tell you for people that are listening in right now, like my story is still being written. Um, 100%. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm very happy with where I'm at right now. And it's great to be able to speak for a living and have this book out, but like my story is still being written, you know, yeah, like I don't yeah. have all the answers. I'm still, I'm still experimenting every day, but I think for me, that is the excitement and the beauty in life is like, I don't want to have this consistent pattern. Like I want to be experimenting and have so many interests. My fiance the other day was like, you're just like interested in so much shit. And I'm like, I can't help it. Like I just, I get that all the time too. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't want to not be that way. Yeah. I just don't know any other way to live, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 hundred percent. No, I totally get it. It's funny too. I, I think this is a, I mean, on this podcast, I've noticed just talking to so many people, one of the things that's been the same across the board is you, until you talk to somebody and have a conversation, you really don't realize that it just seems like the vast majority of people that are finding success or happy with what they're doing, they don't know everything. If all of them are saying like, I don't, you know, I just, I'm just trying shit and I'm figuring it out. And it's been, it's been really cool to hear that across the board from, you know, someone like you who's now written a book and you're an author and you're, you're doing your own thing with speaking to athletes I've had on here to like founders. Like it's all the same. People are like, they're just trying stuff and they don't give up. And they're the persistency that seems to unlock a lot of this stuff. You know, it's like trying different things and working hard uh, and figuring things out. That's how you get better at anything. 100%. And I think anybody who's acting like they have it all figured out, is and I don't you know I don't mean any disrespect but this is just a little thought to maybe plant in some listener's head who's really resistant to feedback or um you know the idea that maybe they don't know everything is like maybe there's an underlying insecurity there and I know that I speak from experience I was uncoachable in sports uncoachable so I plateaued I plateaued I plateaued at basketball man there for a long time I was one of the better players on the court I was uncoachable I couldn't take feedback And what was the underlying reason that I came to discover as I got older is that I was insecure. I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to make any mistakes because to me, that meant that I wasn't good versus let me make these mistakes. Let me fail forward. And along the way, if I'm open to it and I'm resilient, I can learn something and then I can develop. So just having a, a love for the craft, whatever you're doing and opening yourself up to the, to the realization that wh- why would you even want to know everything? That's boring. Yeah. Right. Right. True. Think then about you're once like, you figured it's, yeah. You're like, then you like your whole path of the attempt of learning new things would be over if you knew it all. Right. Well, dude, I mean, think about it. The moment you figure something out, like at least for me, it's like, okay, I've got that down and I need to now find something new to like entertain myself. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's just through learning. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. No, that's so interesting. Um, the one other thing I was curious, I think it, I personally, I, maybe it's not, but I feel like it's something that is a dot. If you look back for, in your story, when I, I think about, you know, just talking to you over the years is uh, 
what finally convinced you to want to move to California? Because I feel like that might have been a, a, a pivotal point too for you. Is it seemed like a lot of things started like spinning in a positive direction once you moved out west? Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, it's so funny because it, it's you know it's the breadcrumbs. So it started with a vacate a family vacation out west when I was fourteen years old. We didn't even come down to SoCal. We oh, were okay. in NorCal. My my dad's brother, so my uncle lived in uh, the Bay Area. And we went out there to visit family and do some hiking in some of the national parks out here. And when we landed in California, I just remember thinking, is this an op- like this is an option? Like yeah. this is how some people live. <laughs> Especially like, when you're from Indiana. You're like, wait exactly. What? Yeah. Yeah, wait a minute. I don't have to slug through six months of winter and there's mountains and blah blah all this. And I look, I I was just back in Indy um giving a speech and it was fall and the leaves had changed and you don't get that here in socal man like there are some beautiful beautiful things about indiana you get space you have a yard um you get to really know your neighbors like there's there's some pros and cons like sure so i never want to disrespect my home state i love indiana um but that was the first breadcrumb then when I was a sophomore in high school, I had just gotten my, my driver's permit and we, you know, we were allowed to drive to school and, but sophomores had to park in the back lot, which was probably a 300 yard walk from the parking lot to the, to the door to get into the high school. Okay. And it was February. It was like 10 degrees. The wind chill made it zero. It was seven 30 in the morning and completely pitch black, oh, like yeah. as if it was the dead of night. And I just remembered walking in, uh, walking in from the parking lot, wind cutting through my jacket, chilling me to my bones. And I just said, when I'm old enough to make my own decision, I'm effing out of here, man. I hear I'm that. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, and that was it. That was it for me. That decision was made. Um, and then the breadcrumbs aligned. I had an internship with Cisco when I was a junior in college that took me back out to California, fell in love all over again. Um, moved down to North Carolina to start the job, met my now fiance, who also had her own dream, her own independent dream of going out to California. Oh, cool. And that was it, man. We took a trip out here. We walked. It's like really like funny. It's like we literally, it's very cliche. Like we actually yeah. took like a walk on the beach hand. hand oh, that's and hilarious. Like, and like decided <laughs> that this is what we wanted to do. Yeah, uh, but no, again, I mean, it's cool though. Not really planned. It wasn't yeah. like organized. It was just like we happened to be on the beach that day with some friends. We took a walk and yeah, that was it. That's that, wild, so then man. every every action after that was an informed action based on the decision that we, yeah, we really wanted to come out here. Gotcha. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that's funny. I always think that too. I always tell my wife, I, I was born in California, actually. I was born just oh, north no of kidding. Santa Barbara. Yeah. My mom's oh, from Santa Barbara beautiful area. area. Yeah. Good spot. Beautiful area. My dad moved out there right after college and then they had a meeting, had me, and then we moved my dad got a job in Northern Indiana. So it was like the opposite. It was like my mom spent her whole life in California to then moving to freezing cold, middle of nowhere, Indiana. Where so in Indiana it, was it? Uh, we in lived in Kokomo. Northwest. Kokomo? Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Kokomo, Isn't that funny? Indiana? Yeah. Hilarious. But can you imagine really moving from Santa Barbara to Kokomo? And they moved in the winter. So, oh no. So for my how mom. How was that for your mom? Oh, horrible. I mean, she, she talks about how like the, when they, right when they moved, major blizzard, like bawling her eyes out just because like, what have I done type of thing. But it's funny heart, how it, it's like the other, it's like the other way. I, Cause I always grew up the same way. I was always like, you know, I would love to be out in California. And it's funny now because my wife's from Chicago. So we're like in a colder place. Now I'm in Chicago. It's freezing. Yeah. But it's yeah. funny how things take you in certain Fun areas. city though. Fun city though. Yeah. I mean, COVID's kind of put a damper on a lot of things because we can't do much, but uh, in general, yeah, it's a great city. Um, Man, summertime shy, nothing quite like it. I know, right? I know. The saying is true. It really is a great city, especially in the summer when it's warm. Um, But yeah, so I think, so it's interesting. You go to California um, and then my curiosity then goes to, and for the listeners, I think, to jump into what you're doing now. What has kind of been, you know, how long have you been in California now? Has it been what, two years? Three years now. Three years. Oh, wow. not. Just okay. hit the three. Yeah, just hit the three-year mark. Gotcha. Okay. So, can you give yeah. everyone a little understanding of you know three years of being in California? What kind of has happened, and what has finally kind of transitioned you out of the corporate world, starting your own business, writing a book, and really getting into the mental health space? Yeah. Well, so the funny thing about the transition out here is like, so I did long distance with my now fiance for two and a half years. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. She, yeah. yeah. So she was, she's from Long Island, New York. I was in Raleigh, North Carolina. So her and I were either, either hoofing it up 
to New York. I freaking love New York. I, yeah. we fell in love in that city, man. So I, we go back there every year. It's a blast. We got engaged in Central Park. Um, just a huge fan. Uh, or she was coming down to me or we were traveling all over, just kind of having, being young, you know, young 20 somethings with a little sure. bit of coin in our pocket, having a good time. Um, but when we first moved out to California, we were staying at one of my buddy's uh, parents' house and always want to respect house rules and everything. And they're very religious. And so okay. for the first two weeks, her and I were staying in separate beds uh, it, it, at the house. And it was just like so funny because we oh, were like, funny. we still we still feel long distance. Like, we still had to like go so, down the hall and connect, or, you know what I mean? Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. And it was so funny. And, um, you know, even like when we came to the apartment, it took forever to get like all of our furniture and stuff. So like we were sleeping on the floor oh, and I was like showing up to Cisco meetings, like half tired. Like the, I think the second day I was out here, like my boss's boss was like, you have to do this thing called a, a QBR, which is like a quarterly business review. And I knew nothing about the business at the time and <laughs> just got grilled for an hour. And dude, it was just trial rough by start. fire, you know? Yeah. yeah. Rough start. You just kind of throw yourself out there. Um, but yeah, the question was uh, kind of how did I get into the mental health advocacy and what I'm doing now? Yeah. yeah. Type of situation. Yeah. I would love so, to just know. Yeah. Cause it seems like the last three years have been pretty pivotal for you as far as like, you moved to California with the Cisco job, but you're, you've been building and working on all this other stuff that's now cultivated into, you know, you running your own business. Yes. So let me take it a step back, give the story of the journey that I went through. Then I'll, then I'll yeah, talk about perfect. how it, how it's gotten to the point where it is now. Love so, it. um, in two, in late 2015, I started to experience these symptoms that I'd never felt before. And all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, I'm waking up with what feels like a drumline in my chest. Like, oh. the, and I always, when I talk to the college kids, I describe it as like Wolf of Wall Street, Matthew yeah, McConaughey. Okay. Yeah. So you get it, iconic scene. Um, but that was my heart. It was just beating through my chest every single morning when I woke up. I had sweaty palms. Oh, wow. My mouth was dry and my mind was racing. And, and the way that I would describe like the racing thoughts was um have you seen that video on instagram with the kid who's canoeing and he runs up to this beehive and smacks yes the yes <laughs> he just gets swarmed yes i know and exactly what you're talking just, about his buddy's just sitting like 15 yards back just like laughing yes i was like if that's not two guys just being guys i don't know what is <laughs> that video gets me every time that's hilarious but, that's so funny um that was my brain and you know, I'm laughing now, but at the time it was absolutely terrifying. Your brain was <laughs> because the, bee, I can't, the beehive and then the beehive with all yeah. the bees just swarming out, just God, okay. thoughts racing in a million different directions. And I couldn't get a clear train of thought and I couldn't slow my mind down. And I just knew that I didn't like what I was feeling um, and that I didn't know what was going on. I certainly wasn't going to tell anybody about it. Um, I was new in this early in career training program down at, down at, you know, Raleigh, North Carolina at Cisco. I just made these new friends, but like, they didn't know me that well. Sure. And so I was like, I'm just going to shut this thing down. I remember thinking that I'm like, I'm just going to put the clamps on this, get my brain back to the way that it used to be. And we're just going to move forward from this. And so um, 2016 was right around the corner. I'm a sucker for New Year's resolutions. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I thought to myself, you know what I'm going to do? My, my only goal for 2016, let's just nip this in the bud. In my mind, my brain was like a light switch. God. So something had flipped on this side of my brain that I, I don't know why it was doing what it was doing. And all I had to do was flip it back. And the way I was going to do that is I was going to go to work. I was going to go to the gym. I was going to sit in the steam room and sweat out all the toxins from four years at Purdue and, you know, time spent in this early in career program. And I'm always very transparent. Um, I enjoyed partying in college. I smoked a lot of weed. Um, and so in my mind, it was like no alcohol for the month of January, no pot. I'm just going to detox. I just, Got I've it. just worn my brain out. I remember yeah. that's what I thought. I just worn my brain out. I just need to, to get it, get it reset. Got it. And all I needed was 31 days to do that. And so for 31 days, I executed on that plan and I did get results. The only challenge is that it wasn't the results that I was looking for. 
And by the end of the month, not only had the symptoms that I described to you gotten a lot worse um, that I now know is anxiety, but a second emotion had crept in and, and came in really hard by the end of the month. And that was depression. And I don't know if you've felt depression. I know for a fact that you know somebody with depression and statistics alone would point to that, but it is the most crippling emotion I have ever felt ever. And I always say when I speak that I would never wish it on my worst enemy. Um, It's, it truly is debilitating. It can derail your life. And seemingly overnight, my world was turned upside down. And now it's the hardest thing in the world to just get out of bed. And I went from this happy go lucky guy to now this severely anxious, deeply depressed. Like it feels like I have bricks attached to my feet. It feels like the world has been washed over almost like an Instagram filter washed over in gray. The things that I used to enjoy are completely unenjoyable and all happiness and joy has been replaced with hopelessness and deep, deep sadness. Wow. Yeah. That's so wild that it seems like it, it hit you. I mean, it must've been a build, but it hit, it seemed like there was like a really short amount of time where all of a sudden it was really obvious in your life too. Well, you know, what's funny is that actually what kickstarted it was the sobriety. Ah, I'd been self-medicating and didn't realize it for yeah. so long that there was this undercurrent of emotions that I, w- that I had and that I was dealing with and just didn't recognize it and Got didn't it. know. Yeah. So, so when I sobered up, it was like, woof, all these emotions just all these symptoms just flooded into my consciousness and it literally felt like I'd been hit by a semi truck. Wow. Um, and I just, and if we go over a couple minutes, it's fine. Uh, I know we had talked about yeah, that yeah, yeah. because I'm, keeping I'm having fun. I also you. know you have a call, so we'll, yeah. we'll be, uh, we'll be conscious of time, but I just, um, out of nowhere, it felt like to your point, it had been building, but I didn't realize it. I wasn't cognizant of it. And once it came into my consciousness, it was there to stay. And of course, okay. I didn't realize that at the time. I still was clinging on to this belief system that I could reverse everything that had happened, that I could get back my old brain, my normal brain, right? Um, which is very stigmatizing. And uh, so for the next couple of months, I just went into full-blown panic mode. And I'm trying everything under the sun just to, re- again, flip that switch, flip yeah, that switch. Right. That's what I'm thinking about every day. And during this time period, I'm doing two things really, really well. The first of which is I'm hiding from the outside world what I'm going through. So whether you're a work colleague, a friend, or a family member, you don't know what's transpiring in my brain. And every single day, I'm going toe-to-toe with my brain while I'm trying to sit. And you're part of the corporate world, so you get it. While you're trying to sit in a corporate meeting, act professional, pay attention, like right. care. Yeah. I'm and at the at the peak of my symptoms, I was having thoughts of suicide from the moment I woke up until the moment I went to bed. Man. So this was you and I sitting here chopping it up like how we are now. Um, but all the while, I've got this dialogue. I've got two trains of thought. I've got what we're talking about and then what my brain is feeding me. Wow. And at that time, my brain was so loud. It was so loud in my head telling me to kill myself, telling me that I was depressed telling me that I was severely anxious and I just didn't know how to quiet it or what to do. And everything came to a head one night where I basically thought that suicide was my only viable option. I, I, I had a, an absolute breakdown where I curled into the fetal position on the ground in my apartment and just bawled Wow! because I started thinking about five, 10, 15, 20 years old what my life was going to look like. And if it was going to feel even like a 10th of what I felt at that time, I just wasn't down for it. It wasn't on my roadmap for life. And it's the emotions are so intense and so painful. It's if you haven't felt them, it's almost hard to fathom just how painful they are. Um, but it's just this constant, just think about the saddest time you've ever been in your life. Turn up the volume knob on that times 10 and then just roll the reel for two, three, four, five months. Wow. Holy smokes, man. That's deep. It's tough. Yeah. 
it's 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 so tough and it, it, it i'd always been judgmental of people who said that they were depressed i'm like what do you have to be depressed about like life sure, is great. I heard that yeah 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 until i felt it and i realized you know in that moment that i needed to do something and so in desperation i called my parents and i told them i'm severely anxious i'm deeply depressed i'm suicidal i have no idea why this is happening why my yeah. brain has turned on me and that, at that time i was always i was always telling people my brain's betrayed me my brain's betrayed me but um you know they they didn't have like any groundbreaking advice outside of look we don't know what's going on with you but we just know that you need assistance sure. and this is oh, outside yeah. of our scope but even just that little bit of permission to say go get help is what i needed um because i was so resistant to that and so the very next day i scheduled my first appointment with a therapist and although she wasn't the person that i ended with i eventually was mapped up with a therapist that knew what was going on with me and in late 2016 i was diagnosed with a chronic brain disorder known as obsessive compulsive disorder or ocd Got where the it. core symptoms are severe anxiety deep depression and thoughts of suicide wow and so i immediately started talk therapy that's specific to ocd which is erp or exposure and response prevention um and over the course of the next couple of years between the therapy and lifestyle changes, again, kind of teaching myself along the way, what feels good for my brain, what doesn't, mindset shifts. Um, I started to get my life back on track. And through that process, I just promised myself that I would never let somebody else suffer in silence again. Because even after the diagnosis, man, I was just so ashamed still. And there was like this whole part of me that was siloed off that okay. I just felt like, okay, I have to deal with this in secrecy but I don't want you to know. Yeah. I just want you to know me as Zach, like the guy that you knew back in college. And after a certain point, it just didn't sit right with me. And I was like, I have to get out and start speaking about this. Um, but I didn't know what, well, let me take it a step back. I knew that I wanted to help actually, but okay. I didn't know what that was going to look like. In fact, I actually didn't even think I was going to go into advocacy. So fast forward, to and if I might jump in, I think the one interesting thing to hear you talk about this, yeah. I mean, number one, thanks for telling me the story. I mean, that's a really deep and I'm sure tough thing it's been to like get it out and talk about. Two, though, yeah. I think it's to me, it's very uh, admirable that you, while you're going through trying to figure yourself out, the first thing that came to your mind was you want to help other people with it. I mean, I just wanted to say, I think that's pretty cool. Well, and it's funny because I think sometimes it, it's like a lifeline you need i needed reflecting on it at the time i needed something to believe in i needed something to hold on to and when you are in that because just because i got diagnosed and started therapy didn't mean doesn't mean that the depression and the suicidal thoughts went away right. that lasted for another year i'm sure but it yeah, was man. and it was holding on to a couple relationships you know my fiance my parents, a couple of my best friends, and then just the belief that I could do something about this later was what pushed me through more dark days than I can even um, begin to explain. I bet. Yeah, man. Um, but, you know, what's funny is, again, you can only connect the dots looking back. I didn't think I was going to speak about this when I moved out here. I knew I wanted to help people. Um, and I knew that I wanted to specifically help people in the mental health space, but I thought it was going to be like one-on-one -on -one talks and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. But, because when we moved out to California, Kate and I, my fiance, I still was with great minds. Yeah. Like Christian right. and I were trying to move HQ out to California and start to build the business from here. And in, I moved out here in late 2017. So November, 2017. And, um, you know, through a series of events in his personal life, things just fell through with the business. He got hit with some major life events and just kind came to me and said, dude, I need to take a step away from this. Like I need a break. We can revisit it at some point if it makes sense, but I, I need to, I just need this for me. Yeah. And what am I going to do after what I've been through? Am I going to now be hard on this guy because sure. he needs a break? No. No. So we folded up the business and I was then in this period of like, what's next for me? 
And for a few months in, in uh, 2018, I didn't know what that looked like. And I had a guy come into my life named Mike Eilon. Um, we're no longer uh, business partners now, but I have nothing but love for the guy because he's the one who came to me and said, uh, through many, many conversations, unpacking layers of me, discovered, because I initially came to him and said, I want to publicly speak. Okay. And he's like, yeah. well, what's your topic? And I'm like, leadership, personal development, you know, like all these things that I had been doing in Raleigh. And through many, many conversations, he unpacked that I had suffered from depression and anxiety and lived with the brain disorder. And he stopped me mid sentence and was like, that's it. Ah, got it. That's it. That's your, that's your story. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to tell this story out loud to everybody. I was kind of down to help people excuse me, in private, but I don't sure. know about, um, this is like public speaking, getting this all out in the open. Right. And he was like, look, if you want to do this for real, this is what people need to hear. This is a topic that people, especially males aren't speaking enough about. And if you want to make a difference, this is your chance. And I told him, I was like, I'll let me think about it. You know, this is a big decision for me. Right. And so I took probably, you know, two weeks, maybe three. And I thought about it. Okay. And at the end of the time, I just said, you know what, man, you were saying the entire time that you were going through these symptoms that as soon as you got well, you would help somebody else. This is life opening that door for you. And you've got a choice. You can either step through it or, you know, and I would have always, would have always found a way and I'm still going to, I'm still always trying to find more and more ways to help people, sure. um, which is why I wrote the book. And there's other, you know, aspirations that I have, but I said, you know what? forget the fear, walk through this door. I know it's terrifying, but get out there and start sharing your story. And so um, in 2018, I gave my first speech Love at uh, uh, University of Laverne down the, down the road here in Southern California. It was a free speech. I just showed up, gave it. Um, and the program was well-received. And I was like, I think I've got something here. And so since 2018, I've just been building on that momentum, um, building out the program. I've I became mental health first aid certified. And then obviously, you know, wrote this Love book, it. There wrote, it is. published yeah. this book. Yeah. Fantastic, man. That's so exciting. That's, I mean, like, yeah. I know it's a really tough story and you went through something, but I think to me and for anyone listening, I think it's really powerful to hear how you've, you've turned a, like a major pivotal, difficult time in your life into potentially something that's going to be, you know, you're like, life's mission or at least a, at least one of the chapters in your life of something you're you're really giving back and doing and, and turning into a career I think it's really wild mental health will always be a part of my journey man because it's always with me yeah and I think I realized when I wanted to escape my brain I realized that your brain is always with you man wherever you go that thing is with you right so taking care of it is so important um and I just happen to have a brain that needs a little more hands-on attention Sure. Um, so I, you know, I meditate on a daily basis. I, I protect my sleep. I, I don't smoke anymore. I really try to minimize the amount that I drink. Um, I work out frequently. Like I just do all the things I need to, to, to manage my brain. Yeah. Right. No, it sounds like you're doing all the right things. You, uh, what do you use? For, oh, we've talked about this before. Do you still use headspace? <clears throat> excuse me for meditating? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I use Headspace. And um, for me, the, the big thing I'll say for anybody listening is meditation is exercise for your brain. Um, and you can be Christian, you can be Muslim, you can be whatever religion you want and still meditate. You're not, but you're not betraying your religion. And I always like to um, say that because there's a lot of Christians who say, well, I pray, that's my meditation. And that's great. Prayer is a great thing. Whatever it is, connect to a higher power, whatever it is that makes you happy. But understand that meditation is a science. Yeah. And by that, I mean, it. you get replicatable results every single time through the act of meditation, the same way that physical fitness is a science. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a religion. Yeah, yeah. You get replicatable results through taking uh, various actions. And right. fortunately for meditation, it's really, really simple. People want to overcomplicate meditation, but it is so simple, man. It is just the act of sitting and attempting. Notice how I say attempt, not actually doing, but attempting to focus on your breath. 
And yeah. what studies have shown is that you only need 10 minutes of guided meditation to reap those benefits. So, um, you know, it's, and you don't even need to be the guy who knows the guy or gal that knows anything about meditation. Right. It's right. show up as the student. And that's what I do with headspace. Andy Putakambe walks me through a daily meditation. I meditated this morning um, and then got my exercise in before this. And um, it's just, you know, meditated over 18,000 minutes. And it's just the thing Man, that I know wow. in my heart of hearts has changed oh, my man. life. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny. I was, I was, I wanted to look up real quick at mine. Cause I, I had a buddy, you've talked about it before, but I have a, a friend that I, you know, we, we talk business a lot and we're, we're, we, he, we kind of share tools and tricks. He got me into yeah. meditating probably in like June or July of this year. And I've yep. tried it so many times, but I, I just never could find something that worked. But the last really, actually, it's only been like four months. The last four months I've been consistently meditating and I'll be honest. It's yeah. not, I try to do it seven days a week, but probably more like five. That's okay. Um, That's whenever I, the same for me. yeah, whenever I get like in a streak of it though, I mean, like I, I always use the analogy of, um, I feel like it creates this healthy pause between shit flying at me and the way I respond to things in life, no matter if it's family work, whatever it is, that's what meditating does for me. It, like it creates this healthy gap between the reacting that I normally would do. I literally love that. I, like, I feel like I don't even have to say anything more about meditation <laughs> because that's what it's good for. It, yeah. it literally creates that gap between you and the response to whatever is taking place in your life. And before I started meditating, I was so reactive. Yeah. I just reacted to everything that was coming at me in my life. And once I started meditating, I started to be able to respond uh, to things in life. And yep. And, you know, to anybody who's looking to meditate, maybe you don't have anxiety or depression because meditation will help you reduce those symptoms over time. The same way that physical fitness over time will build stronger muscles and also help manage emotion. But meditation is also good for simple stress relief. Right. Meditation is good for focus. You know, you can drink a cup of coffee and get a little bit of artificial energy, but there's nothing that focuses me up better than than meditating yeah. and that's why i meditate every morning and i i feel the difference in how i go about my day on days when i don't meditate in the morning and i wait until the afternoon like it almost 100%. kind of makes me cringe just yeah thinking I, about well it. i'm today i've been, i didn't get it in this morning before getting on here and i need to do it this afternoon i feel the same way it's like almost it's like it's like it's something in your morning that's just like off you know what i mean You're it like, is you, it's weird it's it is a weird reset button it, it really is, man. And well, and it, it, again, it's the science behind it. So there's different types of brain waves <clears throat> that we have, but at a very simplistic level, when we are doing cognitive tasks and um, really using our brain power, our brain waves are really small, short, and choppy. Okay. And what meditation does <clears throat> is smooths them out and makes them more, when you measure the brain waves, what it, what it measures and registers as is these slow rolling curves that become your thoughts. Whoa. And so all we're doing is changing the brainwave. That's it. When it's really choppy like that and your brain's really racy and all over the place, yeah. your brain's going like this. But meditation just takes it and smooths it out Whoa. so that you can, you can slow things sense. down and, and respond versus react. Got it. Oh, that makes so much sense. I never thought yeah. of it like that or knew that. Very cool. Yep. Well, yeah. I know we're, I know we're running out of time and it was funny. We had, I had like a bunch of ideas of like financial things, but we could have always do another episode. This has been phenomenal. So I, I love the content, what we've talked about. I had a couple, just two quick last questions that I Please always do. like. I'm having fun. Man. Yeah, I, I know. Can, this I is good. Jump could... on my call here in a minute. I'm yeah, not yeah, worried yeah. about it. Okay. So let's do this. I, the last couple of questions I, I always ask at the end, all of my guests, very similar questions. The first one hopefully yeah. is an obvious one for you, but I just want to ask what your favorite book is. Obviously it's You're Not Alone by Zach Westerman. Yeah. <laughs> but if, besides that one, is there one, and I will, I'll make sure the, there's links to all that to Amazon and everything in the show notes and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll share that out. And then is there another book though that's like been impactful in your life that you've gifted a lot or talk about openly? Yeah. And I just messaged my phone call. I'm like, I'll be, I got I need a couple minutes. I'm having a good time right now. That's do, dude, those are the requirements the too. When okay. I went into business, I was like, and I have to remind myself of this on a daily basis. Um, cause sometimes you can take yourself a little too seriously. Like right. I got into it. Like I left corporate to have fun with this business. So okay. like I'm having a really good time right now yeah, yeah. and 
that's what it is. And I'm embracing that. So, um, do I have any favorite books outside of you're not alone? Um, absolutely I do. And I, I read this book every year and it's actually, um, I'm really excited for this January because, um, last January was the first time that my fiance and I did this. I do it every year, but now she's a part of it is reading the alchemist. Have you Ah, read that book? No, I haven't yet. No, so the alchemist. Yeah, you should. It's dude. And I mean, look, it's, it's not going to give you like tactical step-by-step path to building wealth or, you know, how to stand up a, a speaking business or whatever, you know, and those types of books have a place too in life. But this one is, is more about uh, stepping into your purpose and seeing in the book, what they call omens, but okay. the breadcrumbs, it's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Seeing the doors in your life opening and understanding that life is a journey. And when you're on your path, it's not linear. It's going to take a lot of different turns and twists. And it's just this fun story of this, uh, this young kid who goes on what he, what you call your personal legend, okay. which is basically pursuing his truth, his passion, um, and just the, the lessons and, and, and things that he learns along the way. So it's just, it's a way to ground myself every year um, and just get connected with that, with that spirit. Love it. Okay. Fantastic. That yeah. one actually hasn't been recommended on here yet. So that's a new one for the podcast. So I'm pumped. It's my absolute favorite book. In fact, okay. I was just on the phone yesterday or the day before with one of my uh, best friends and he had, when I recommended the book to him, he had it in his hand. Oh, that's like, funny. I'm actually about to start reading this. That's so funny. I'm like, you've made a great decision. My yeah. Friend. I'll have to add it to the bookshelf. I have a bunch that I'm trying to finish for the end of the year. So that'll have to be one for sure. Um, you should, man. It's a great book. Yeah, no, I will definitely add it and I'll share it out here. Um, so, the, and then the last, the last like question I, I wanted to ask you this, cause I think you've, I know you've personally done a lot of this just from knowing you, what do you do? Uh, and what tools do you use to like track and, um, track and monitor your like yearly goals, your daily tasks. Like, I think it's just really interesting. I know you've tried a lot of things and and just through your career path. What are like, is it, you know, pen and paper? Is there apps you use? Are there like certain things you like to do to like plan goals and handle like daily tasks? Yeah. So I journal, man. And I'm, so I used to set and I, and I do have like, um, metrics and stuff that I track on an Excel sheet, but really what I, what I've found helps me the most in manifesting what I want in life is just journaling a little bit every day and just putting down my thoughts and my dreams, my goals, my aspirations, and just kind of staying close to them that way. So it's really not this formal process. Like if you read my journal right now, it's all over the place, but if you aggregate it, like I went through and read like um, from earlier this year, like January, February, what you see is that what I was talking about in January, February has now manifested itself Ah. nine, 10 months later. And so it's just staying close to that manifestation. And as it's manifesting, it changes. And that's, what's funny is like, because once one thing's been manifested, it's like, okay, well, this is the next step in that. And so that's how I stay close to my vision. Um, And I kind of, I throw out a big, broad vision. And then, like I said, I've got an Excel sheet with like numbers and metrics and stuff like that. But candidly, dude, I don't like to stay too close to the numbers that way. Um, And what I found is that when I stay close to my vision, the number, I land around the numbers. Like the goal that I had for the first half this year is roughly where I landed. Got it. um, In terms of um, revenue goal for the speaking business. Um, it wasn't perfect, but it was near where I wanted to land, um, which, which is in my, is good enough for me. I'm happy with that. And just continuing to build on that. So journaling is the big thing that I do. So it sounds like you don't get too bogged down with, you know, being like married to major yearly goals or even like trying to get married to like what a perfect week looks like. It's like trying to just continuously manipulate, maneuver the direction you're heading in sort of thing. Yeah. And like, I try to, I I definitely want some structure in my day, but I like to keep things light, man. I think people that get really, really married to a goal, sometimes what I've seen, and I've studied this with like Olympic athletes, like Michael Phelps has talked about this. You have this big goal, right? And then you go and achieve it on, and on the other end of that goal is a cliff 
that you uh. drop off of and you kind of fall into this depression because it's like, okay, what now? Yeah. And so for me, I'm really into sustainability. So what can I do for the long term? What can I build and grow and manifest over the long term? We live in a country, especially in, in corporate America. And by the way, I think capitalism is a great thing and it has its place. But we live in this quarterly system. Mm-hmm. I got so conditioned to live by the quarter, the month, the week, and, and the driving numbers. to these numbers yeah. every to report to Wall Street. And that's just not life, man. Life is much different than that. And it is great to have goals and it's great to, to hit those metrics, but life keeps going on after that. Like yeah. I hit my plan consistently every single year while I was at Cisco and we would hit the number, we'd have two weeks off and then we'd just start the process again as if yep. you know nothing had happened. Never and ends. I think I learned <laughs> and it never ended. And it was yeah. always like mission critical and it was always the end of the world when we were behind the number. And I just, when I got into this business, I was like, I don't want to operate my life like that. It, it wasn't fun for me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. No, no, no. I, I'm, that, that's good. I think honestly, that's something that's been funny for me. I've started to really, I use like this, this thing called a full focus planner, but, and I've tried like time blocking on my calendar. I, part of it for me right now is like, you know, I have a full-time job and I'm trying to do this. And so it's like, right. I have to fit things in the morning or the evening. So I have to be a little more diligent of like when I do things or just things don't get done. But, um, I think it's easy to also to like over-engineer things to your point and then it's stressful. And that's also not necessarily the best thing either, you know? Well, dude, and that's a great example because like, like, all right, when I was still at Cisco and I was writing the book, like I either had to get it done in the morning or in the evening. Yeah. And I did put, I, I did have a metric, but the metric in my opinion was digestible. It was yeah. 250 words a day. Higher yeah. hell water, I'm writing 250 words. If I put 2,000 down on paper in a day, fantastic. Yes. If I get 250 down, whatever. Yeah. And that was the block though. It was like, it was this broad block where it's like, okay, I'm just going to write for an hour before work or after. If I write for more than an hour, great. If I write for more than an hour after work, that's fine. But I can't put this big, heavy burden on myself that I'm going to write three hours in the morning, then do a full eight hour, nine hour work day, and then write again in the evening. And I'm going to hammer this out. I just, it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. sustainable. I mean, that's that, to be honest, I've talked about it on this podcast before. I call it the, I, I, the first time I heard it was Seinfeld called it a 1% strategy. So it's like you do yeah. 1% of a goal every day. And to yeah. me, that's how, I mean, that's how this podcast, I've, I had a thing like, basically I try to reach out to, what's my goal? It's like reach out to three people every day, no matter what. Yeah. And so like, yeah. but something like that, it's like, I'm not trying to have a hundred guests and trying to like, how do you back into that? It's like, I don't know. It, I do agree. I've noticed like when I do like small daily things for any bigger goal, it does like manifest itself over time. Cause it's just, you're putting in the work slowly, but surely. And you're like chipping away versus getting stressed about how do you tackle this enormous thing or problem or goal? Well, dude, and I love that example because like the way that I look at it is like rush hour at a restaurant, right? Mm. Or like rush hour at a coffee spot from 6.30 in the morning until 8.30, a coffee shop is slammed and then there's a lull and then there's another slam and then there's a lull. Right. Nobody in there, nobody, no human being could sustain getting slammed for nine hours straight with customers and business and being busy and hectic and all of that. And we recognize that, but yet in our own personal lives, we just absolutely slam our schedules with a million different things. And like a buddy of mine was talking to me yesterday about how Russ, who's a, he's a hip hop artist, dropped a song every single day for five years. Yeah, and that's yeah. how he got famous. And I was like, you know what, man, that's good for him. And I'm, I'm sure that like, he's happy that he's now achieved his, his goal or his success. But to me, dude, that's just not sustainable. Right. I'm not going to yeah. drop a 60 second motivational video every day for the next five years. I'm not, Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. but what I could do is drop a few a month. Yeah. And it's all, again, for me, it's all about the impact. So what are things that I can do for longevity? Right. I can give two, three, you know, four, probably on the high end speeches a week. I can, write a blog post or two a month. I can do just these things that, again, I want sustainability. I want to be able to do something for life. And I don't want to be trying to sprint um, through life when in reality, it's a marathon. Yeah. Love that. Love that. I think we should end on that. That's a good way. That's a perfect culmination of this whole thing. Um, Zach, thank you for coming on. Where can people find you and where can people find the book? 
Yeah. So um, there's a lot of different ways you can find me. You could, I would say the number one source for people find me right now is Instagram. So it's at Zach underscore Westerbeck. And, okay. and I'll link that. The link, yep. And the link to my book is in the bio. You can go okay. in there. The paperback is $16.99. The ebook is 99 cents through the end of the year. And I just did that to make it easy for um, anybody who just needs a, an affordable option um, to scoop that. You can find me at zachwesterbeck.com um, where you can learn more about my programs. The book is there. It'll just route you to Amazon. You can learn about my coaching programs there. And then if you search my name in LinkedIn, Facebook, um, I'm even you know dabbling a little bit with Twitter. You can find me just by searching Zach Westerbeck. Love it. Love it, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, man. Appreciate you taking the time to come on. This is a great conversation. We can, uh, we can definitely, I feel like do this again and, and go into all, all kinds of avenues. So we'll have to do Dude, it. We've got way two. more to chat about. I know we definitely do. <laughs> we've got we way more do. to chat about. This is fun. I really yeah. appreciate you bringing me on. So thank you. A hundred percent, man. Well, good luck with the book. I'm excited for you and, and everything you're doing and I'm keeping, a, I'll keep you keeping an eye out for what's next, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome, buddy. Well, have a good one. Thanks for coming on. You too. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. And hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about Zach Westerbeck and all he's doing, his journey. And don't forget to pick up your book, your version of You're Not Alone, available on Amazon. uh, And the link is in the show notes. As always, real quick, I just want to remind you guys of a few other links that are in the show notes. Number one, Robinhood. If you want to get into investing and don't know where to start, Robinhood is a great resource to check out. If you want to get an idea of what kind of stocks to invest in, uh, you can use the COVID stock market rebound tracker. That's just a great place to follow along with the companies that I'm currently looking to invest in. Um, It's a great place to start. And then I've mentioned on here a few times, I also have a link to Whoop. It's a a fitness tracker, but really that's understating it. It's it's basically a optimal performance device that I wear on my wrist 24-7. Helps monitor my daily strain, my recovery, and my sleep. I won't go into crazy detail. They're not a sponsor on here yet, but I love the product and I think all of you should try it, especially during this time of COVID where health and wellness is so important. Thanks for listening, everybody. I can't thank you enough. If you liked today's episode, please share it out with your friends and family and I will talk to you guys soon. We have another great guest coming up here in a couple of days and I'm excited to bring that episode to you soon. Have a great day. Goodbye.